I can draw this out. Like I said, I brought notes. You brought notes. We're going to teach people how to accessorize tonight. Exactly. <laughs> going to welcome our audience to uh to the latest episode of mention and dispatches our show notes say episode 11 this might actually be up the 11th episode when we get around to releasing it but I, i'm honestly not 100 sure at this point what i do know actually i i went back and looked earlier this season we hit our 100th episode of mention and dispatches so we are now eligible for network syndication and uh so we could we can be on at three o'clock in the afternoon on cable tv when nobody cares uh but but we have hit our 100th episode for mention and dispatches um which is a little nutty um can considering like we still haven't figured out what we're doing here big part <laughs> you big think part. after 100 episodes just accidentally we'd get it right <laughs> so all right joining me tonight rocky is here mike is not we're going to talk about accessories and doodads and all the other fun crap that you bring to the gaming table other than the game itself to, to make gaming fun and and god bless him rocky came prepared man dude's got notes <laughs> it's like we invited I'm brian to invite brian <laughs> all right rocky what what's on the list of notes since since you're prepared and I never am. Like, what What are we talking about here? Well, yeah, I think uh, this episode's my fault because I think we actually suggested it uh, earlier this season um, that we talk about what else do you do to the gaming table? I mean, everyone talks about components for a game and, and what's in the box and such. But uh, many times, uh, I think these days, we start adding more. Um, sometimes it's it's really simple stuff. And I, I, I have sort of a, a shotgun sort of a set of notes here, but uh, I'll just uh, kick it off with... Uh, one of our favorite topics is dice uh dice we did an hour and a half on dice one time man (laughs) we we did we did so we won't go for a full hour and a half maybe 20 minutes um but but, you know some a lot of games games come with dice and sometimes the dice are nice and sometimes uh, you just want to go over and grab your favorite little set of uh, lucky dice. Yes. Uh, if, you're, if your opponent or family allows it. Um, but along with dice, then many times you have to come with something else. Um, I, for one, hate rolling dice on, on a board uh, because that's, I always fear that it's going to upset something. So then I have to find a place to roll the dice. So am I going off the board? Yeah, well, I still want to keep it under control. So you have dice towers and dice yep. trays. I mean, years ago when I was a young, young Brodner, I we never had dice towers. And that was a, you know, maybe a bag. Everybody had their Crown Royal bag, of course. Everybody had their Crown uh, Royal bags. Yep. But, uh, you know, now dice towers or dice trays. Actually, around our house, dice trays are actually preferred because you can pick up the tray. You can move it about easy. You roll the dice. You can yeah. even hold it over the table if you need to. And you, everybody stands up. Somebody holds it. You roll the dice. You read the results and you scream at each other yeah yeah the uh it it look growing up we all used box lids right that's that's where you oh, rolled yeah. the dice was in the box lid because because that was handy um I, I know some folks have some very elaborate dice towers i know some folks have a lot of different dice towers i have one dice tower it's the same one i got at buckeye game fest in oh six oh six it was oh seven um at buckeye game fest in addition to being there as bayonet games i volunteered to work the door for a four-hour shift and in return i got like a $20 credit voucher for the vendors that were there, which I wasn't going to use on myself. There were only like two other people to, to use them with. So I, I ended up cashing it in for a dice tower from the, from a uh, Ron charity hobbies, Ron, 
Charity was the guy that always ran one of the game store tables that was at Buckeye Game Fest. And it was a very well-crafted, nice tower. It's a, it's a two-piece, lays flat in its tray for travel. Um, well-made, nice foam padding on the inside to keep it from rattling around too much. It's the only dice tower I have ever owned, and it is fabulous. I so- I'm a little bit unfair. I have one dice tower. It's a small one, so I use it like when I'm doing some solo plays. But I do have to admit that the one part of the dice tower that I really like is the fact that there's that clitter clatter as it as it goes as the dice go through. Um, gaming. That's one of the reasons why I don't really like uh, video gaming so much is because there's it's, there's not the tangible touch or yep. the sounds so much. Oh yeah, you'll get the video sounds, but nothing can match the the clitter clatter that dice uh, rolling down through it's that dice tower. It's not silent, right? It's not a stealth tower you know but no but it's, it's not going to wake the dog up in the main house when i'm out in the out in the office over the garage rolling dice or anything um, and there have been plenty of times where we've we've dispensed with the tower part of it and just used the dice tray just to you know throw the dice straight into there um, that, and that's worked fine we we ended up with a handful of dice trays from uh from steve over blue panther that at origins last year he was going to do some dragoons branded dice towers for us um that we were going to have on the tables for our games at origins and and I'd worked that out with him ahead of time to, to bring those. Well, it turned out the the pre-cut dice towers that he was going to apply our logos to, um, he was he'd run out of them. He didn't realize that when when we were talking about it. So he ended up bringing me some dice trays instead. And there were some of the like laser cut ones. You had to sort of punch stuff out and piece them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 having seen that side by side with some of the dice towers that that he had that it, he had some with other graphics on them. He didn't have any blank ones to put our logos on. Is what happened. Um, I actually I like the trays a lot better. The, the trays are very nice. They're very sturdy. The logo inside them is ginormous, the way he put it on there. Um, and and it's an indestructible dice tray. Once you put it together, once you you fit all the pieces together and sort of tapped it into place, um, that thing's bulletproof. It's great. So if you yes, need a good dice tray, Blue Panther makes some excellent ones. Go grab one. Noted. I'm adding that to my notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so dice, dice towers, dice trays. What else about dice there, Rocky? What else about dice? Well, of course, there's what 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 do you want? I mean, there's so many different choices of <laughs> dice out there. And we don't want yeah. to go touch down all that, but uh, I mean, just suffice it to point say, people at the previous episode, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I sort of look at dice, and once I once I'm doing my dice, I have to start going to the next level of accessories uh, at the table. So um, for our family gaming table, we normally we use the, uh, uh, the 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 main dining table in the house, mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you're going to bring a set of uh, those uh, steel or metal dice, uh, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Mrs. Rocky Mountain is not a happy camper when you bring those out on her tape. So, so that immediately leads to the next thing, the next big accessory uh, that we have here. Um, that if people aren't already using it, I really strongly encourage them. That is some sort of a table topper. Yep. Um, okay. And you don't have to go out and buy one of those, you know, board game tables or something that the one that piece that fits over. Um, the one I have is a uh, BBO poker game tables. Um, okay. It's just a simple roll. It's a roll and it fits out on my table. Um, there's many different designs. Like you can just have one that looks like a poker table. My, the one I love and the one that Mrs. Rocky Mountain Navy loves too is it's a globe. And oh, okay. it's, it's, it's a globe of the world. So you just lay it on the table, sort of elongated. It looks like a map. And actually for gaming, it works really well because you throw down your game on top of it. You're just playing on a map of the world. But that's, most that's important, cool. it, it, it looks beautiful. So it, it wins the 
okay, that you're, you're not just destroying the whole, you know, uh, aesthetic of the house. Uh, but yeah. more importantly, it's that neoprene uh, padding that yeah. now the dice yeah. can roll on the table. Even the metal <laughs> dice can roll. And they're not rolling on the table. They're rolling on the rubber. You still get enough sound. You get a little bit, d- deadens it a little bit, thud, thud, thud. But uh, it's still there. But, yeah. okay, you lose some of the sound, but you win the wife um, letting you <laughs> game on the table. I, I was going to ask if it was neoprene or some other material. So the... The, there's the, hmm. there's different styles out there. I've seen some that are felt, some that are felt with the neoprene backing. Um, this one is just uh, the one I I use. It's uh, it's um, the neoprene with a just like a little cloth patterned uh, piece on top of it. But it's, it's mostly the neoprene, which also is good because that's non-skid. Yeah. So you yeah. put it down. It's not sliding around on the table. Um, there's so many choices out there. I went and measured our table, and I found one of approximately the size. So it basically it's it's uh, the table's uh, rectangle the, the the table topper is oval shaped so i get a little bit some at the edges but for the most of the game space it's there yeah and, uh, yeah. It, it, and you're it not rolling just... nice on the corner of the table anyway no no and you, so you can sit there you can it, it, it's good because all even if you're playing a game you have other you know something beside the board and stuff other pieces it it, it uh gives you gives you sort of defines your play area for you and helps everybody focus yeah there's a board game toppers or something i i I can go look it up and then you know put the appropriate link here in the episode but there's a company that has helped sponsor the boardroom at origins for the last three or four years and had their custom neoprene mats on all of the tables at origins in the boardroom um and they they get custom ones made for origins that have the origins logo and everything on there and and it's an ad for you to go buy them from those guys over in the the exhibit hall so so Mm -hmm. i totally get why they're doing it uh they're nice quality table toppers i've never looked into them enough to understand really what sort of custom sizes and shapes they might have uh, but the ones that they've put on those tables are pretty nice quality i mean they're they're over a half an inch thick with the neoprene and and they look nice and you know like you said non-skid things aren't sliding around on them too much um the the things not sliding around on the table whatever it is they've got on the top also keeps the components from sliding around too much without you having to like struggle to pick cards up or anything like that once they're on there Um, absolutely i've seen a handful of games with neoprene mats as accessories within the game itself lock and load Mm -hmm. publishing when they did the world at war 85 uh the reboot way back i mean two years and change ago now because everybody got them right before covid shut down the planet uh one of the stretch goals that they added was the neoprene play mat to lay down your different scenario cards and such Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously not going to cover the table for you but a you know for folks that are wondering what those neoprene play mats might look like that's that's a similar concept that they might get relate to there it's it's a lot of uh, i see a lot of like magic or Yu-Gi-Oh players have their battle mats it's Mm -hmm. it's the same thing it's a simple little roll up um if it's if it helps for me uh the 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 number one is it protects the tabletop, so I, I'm allowed to play. Um, <laughs> and, and, and number two, it just looks dang good. Yeah. And, and yeah, it really absolutely. does help. The next step you could go is you could go and get one of the board game tables. I, I have not made that investment. I have not been able to convince um, the uh, central, you know, the chief financial officer that that is a <laughs> uh, that is that is a legitimate a uh, expense. Uh, maybe sometime in the future. But uh, I mean, if if you're that committed to it, um, 
and maybe you know if it's that if that's really your lifestyle that that is a lifestyle choice to go to mm-hmm. an accessory of that degree um getting an entire table now i know they have smaller tables they got bigger tables um but uh, it's, it's your choice but that's yet another accessory you know going all the way to yeah. the board game tables uh, personally i just prefer the uh the tabletopper yeah um well one of the advantages that some of those board game tables have is because they've got the recessed play area you can set up a game particularly a longer one leave it set up in the recessed play area because the actual dining surface of the table covers up that recessed play area so you 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 don't lose your dining room table to leave a game set up for an extended period of time right and there are some great advantages there um yeah i'll just say i mean i I would i would venture to guess that many folks would probably run into the same challenge i run into is like that's a great looking table but it doesn't match the uh dining room decor yeah so there's 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 give and take for everything here yeah and and for folks wondering about the diet the the tables like we're described so so geek chic sort of was the first very prominent one of these about 10 years ago and unfortunately geek chic folded and left a lot of people hanging where where they had paid for some very large nice snazzy i mean like 10 and eleven thousand dollar tables that didn't get delivered i don't know how many of those people if any of them were ever able to recover any of their money after geek chic folded up the the three main companies doing them now um Wormwood is doing them now. Wormwood makes gorgeous stuff, but you're going to have to sell a kidney to pay for it. Yes. <laughs> it's just a regular dining room table runs like 15 grand. Now, it is beautiful. It is an absolute work of art. Oh, um, they, their woodwork is incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And you are paying for every single grain of sawdust involved in the manufacturing of that, that table. The, the two more reasonable ones, um, boardgametables.com and Carolina game tables, um, both do fairly comparable stuff. I am partial to Carolina game tables largely because I know the family that runs the company. Uh, (laughs) Clint and Jody black are actually fourth. I think it's fourth generation furniture making family They're They're from the Western part of North Carolina here. And their family's been in the furniture business for forever, um, going back to the 1800s. So it might be fifth generation at this point. Um, they, uh, they, their primary business is making furniture. Their secondary business is game tables. But don't think of that secondary business as getting anything the, the short shrift at all. They're a furniture making family. Like this is what they do. They know how to mm-hmm. do these things. Yes. Um, and, uh, and and you'll see them at, at game conventions, whether it's Origins or Gen Con or Dragon Con. You, you raise a great point there. I mean, that's also sort of how accessories are are changing with the hobby, where it's before, um, you know, the classic, you're you're sitting in the basement. I mean, my my first gaming table was the old ping pong table yep. in the basement. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I always had to figure out how to bridge that gap in the middle um, to, to get things to lay flat. And it was such an old game table. It had dips and stuff yep. in it. And, and you, you don't want to bump it because it's going to shake everything. Um, it's, we've come a long way now. I mean, a, a good tabletop or a dining room table or investing mm-hmm. potentially thousands of dollars in a very nice table that is the center of your lifestyle in many ways. Yeah. If you're paying that much yeah. money for it, you, it better be. Um, <laughs> but but it, it just goes to illustrate how accessories uh, have very quickly evolved um, yeah. Um, yeah. from just, you know, the, 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 the basement junk to, 
you know, put it in that's the center of your room. Well, I think part of what's happened there is our generation. So our, our parents' generation didn't grow up with gaming as a hobby as as a key part of your lifestyle the way our generation did that's not to say folks of our parents generation didn't game my dad was a war gamer that's what got me started my dad started playing in the early 70s when he was stationed in germany and and had some friends that got him into war gaming and it wasn't too long before i followed him into there um but my dad didn't grow up from age six playing games you know tabletop games the way boy my son has the the way we kind of did um whether it was war games or i mean euro games weren't really a thing when we were growing up but but risk and stratego and chess certainly were or whether it was role-playing stuff where you needed all kinds of room to spread out your character sheets and your dice and your minis and your whatever else or whether it was just army men with the blanket and some books underneath it to make some hills that was crap we did from the time we could walk and so now that yeah, you know we're significantly older. We have the money to jazz up our hobby that way, and and it's not a weird thing to us because it's always been a present yep. part of our lives in a way that I don't think applied to our parents' generation. Uh, it's funny you mentioned um, like the you know RPG and stuff. That's another accessory. Uh, mm-hmm. I still have my uh, Berkeley games uh, battle maps. Uh, the the uh, the wet erase yeah, uh, vinyl yeah. maps. I have squares, I have large hexes and small hexes. And and so, okay, those were RPGs, but they're also war games because many yeah. times you could just sit there and sketch out something on, yep. on the map and, and go and play. Throw down, great for playtesting. Just, I'm going to sketch yep. something here and let's throw down a couple of counters and, and, and just play. Um, and they're small. I mean, nowadays those are called uh, X-Wing you know, battle boards, <laughs> they sell them for, for, for only half a kidney. Um, but again, it's another accessory that you can sit down. Um, I actually, maybe some people notice some on my, on my blog, many times I'm going to take photos of my games. I'm using that as my background. Um, maybe it's the hexes yeah. that are drawing me to it, but it's things like that. You, uh, talking about the maps, the, the basically blank grid maps that you can scribble on or make changes to or, or whatever you choose to brings up an accessory that I have used a lot over the years um, for both blank maps and in progress maps. And then later for final maps that that I just wanted to be easier to pick up and move. And that is the dirt cheap poster frame, right? The college yes. poster frame that you lay the map down and you put it in there. And now I've got a plastic. First of all, I've got it flat and protected and something covering the map. But now I've got something I can draw on with a dry erase marker yes. uh, or a grease pencil. And and I've got, I, I have some of the old Warfighter series maps in some of these things. I've got an old Orange Crush map in some of them. But I've also got one that's a blank hex grid, like you had mentioned. And then another one that's just a blank uh, square grid that I would grab all sorts of vis-a-vis markers and draw all over them in order to get the different kinds of terrain we were playtesting. Many of the early Warfighter maps, well, not the earlier ones, some of the later ones when we were playtesting Asian Thunder, we had the basic map um, in the poster frame, but where we needed to make changes to the terrain that came out of playtesting, we drew directly on the plastic as a part of all of that, um, getting ready to do stuff. And, And that really helped to be able to make quick map changes like that without having to print whole new maps or anything, or, or we could try a change in the terrain and then erase it if we needed to. So the, the dirt cheap poster map, uh, or poster frame to hold your maps is definitely something that I've used a lot over the last 20 years. So again, funny you should mention that. Thanks for teeing me up there. (laughs) So I, 
you know, I had a piece of plexi that I would use to to lay down. Um, mm-hmm. Many times, many times, any, any any war gamer will tell you the paper maps come, and the first thing you do is you try to lay it flat and, <laughs> and and get that crease out because the last thing you want to do is be playing the game and all of a sudden you know there's this little hill in the middle of that valley uh, because the map that's right you know the battle always takes place at the junction of two or more maps or where the fold yeah. is. Um, now you're leaning the 10th Mountain Division counter on the hill created by the fold in the map. Exactly. I have found, um, as much as I loved the posters and stuff, uh, they mm-hmm. sometimes for me that was a little bit bulky. And then you have that edge yeah. and such. Uh, I, I found the Ultra Pro top loaders. Which okay. Ultra Pro, most people probably know it because they put uh, like cards in it, but they made mm-hmm. larger ones. And I went out and I got a couple of uh, the, the large ones that I can put a uh, 22 by... Uh, the 22 by 36. That's crazy. And they're not. I didn't know Ultra Pro made anything that big. I've seen all the way up to legal size page protectors. I've never seen anything bigger than that. So the fact that Ultra Pro makes a sleeve that's that big, that's one kind of cool. But two, so I, have, I, have, I have two ones I got. There's the, the, an 18 by 24, which is okay. perfect for most of your like single map games. And then they yep. have a 24 by 36. Yep. And uh, the uh, the uh, the prices are not if you go to their site, you know, you know please you know, take a look for yourselves. But I mean, the 12 by pardon me, the 24 by 36, uh, you know, 1299. Wow. I, I actually have huh. I actually have uh, I have two large and two small. Um yeah. So and and they work really well because you slide it in. And again, just like you did with the Visa V markers, I can I can mark directly on it. I can make notes. Um, sometimes I'll even use the larger one and I'll slide uh, not just the map in there, but maybe a couple of the play aids. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at that point, then I'm, I'm pretty good to go. If there's a drawback, it's that they're not always, uh, sometimes there is some glare there. So you got to watch your light sometimes. If you're trying to take some photos for a vlog or something, maybe that doesn't work out so well. But um um, nice, neat, and not super expensive. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely way cheaper than I would have thought. Um, and I think for something like that, if you're changing the maps out a little more frequently, depending on what you're playing, that would definitely be an advantage over the poster frames. Um, the the stuff that I have in poster frames has pretty much stayed in the poster frames since 2007, maybe right. 2008. Um, the 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 maps that are in there, except for swapping out the Asian Thunder playtest map for the final map, uh, the, the same. I mean, it's it's the same blank hex grid that I put in there when I bought it in two. You know, when I bought the frame in two thousand eight. So it's not like that one's changed. Um, it's just a blank hex grid. There's no need to yeah. change it. Uh, but I've I've got the stack of poster frames over in the corner of the office up here that when I need to play one of the games, pull that one out and drop it down there. I imagine if I had something else that I was regularly testing scenarios or something else for i'd probably put it in one of those frames where i've always got that game instantly available just pull out and throw on the table um but i think if i was changing them out more frequently something like you're describing with the ultra pro you know the the oversized page protectors yep i think that's all it is really oversized page protector but it's 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 decent enough uh it's Mm -hmm. it's thicker and a little bit uh harder um, you know, more sturdy uh, plastic. So for a lot of folks, I'd recommend taking a serious look at that. Um, Obviously that holds paper maps. Have you put a mounted map in there at all just to sort of see it, if and it, how it, it does? It, it does. 
it can work. Um, but at that point, if I'm if I, for a mountain maps, I don't, my personal preference, if it's a mountain map, I just don't feel the need to put plexi yeah. uh, over top of it. I know some people still want to, you know, do it. No, I just use it for my paper maps. Yeah. And, and yeah. for the paper maps, I mean, sometimes depending upon what I'm doing, I can put um, one game on one side and flip it and put another game on the other side. So I actually have two maps. So one's flattening out yeah. while, while I'm playing <laughs> the other one. So that's kind of cool. Now I, uh, I, I don't norm. So I don't own any plexi that's not a part of one of the poster frames. So I don't put it down on things other than, you know, what's already in the frames. Um, I have seen people lay sheets of plexi over mounted maps, largely to protect the map, right? So that you're, you're not setting your drink down on a mounted map right. or anything. Um, a whole other I, set uh, of accessories. Yeah. That doesn't protect the counters any, but, um, but, but I was just curious if you had put plexi down on, if you had, if you had, because that's essentially a plexi replacement is what you're describing. Right. And I didn't know if you tried that with a mounted map at all. Just somebody in the audience is going to be wondering. I figured I'd ask the question. <laughs> well, and and although it's two layers of uh, of plastic, the front and back, it's mm-hmm. it's probably not so thick that if you put it down over a mountain map, it's it's you're still going to be able to see through it. it yeah. it's still, I mean, so a not little slide the map stuff. into it, just lay the whole thing on. Yeah, you can lay the whole thing down on top of it, uh, and that'll work. As the Armchair Dragoons march into the ninth season of their podcast, mentioned in dispatches. We need to make time to thank our Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Patrick Garrity, Mike Quigley, Joseph Knoll, Hethwell Wargames, Robert, Kevin Bertram, Chet Bell, Treb Curry, Staggerwing, and Patrick Mullen for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and helping us to bring you the best strategy gaming content on the web. You too can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. So that brings yeah. us to the next thing is now that you've got your map protected mm-hmm. um, and you've got your counters out there, sometimes that's not enough. Um, so Uh-oh. I am, um, I'm, I'm a visual person. I like, you know, the maps are great many times, but sometimes I need a little extra help. Like uh, <laughs> just where is that victory port hex? Uh-huh. Um, and, and so what I found was uh, I just went out and bought um, opaque bingo chips. Um, opaque ones, not okay. the ones that are, I mean, translucent, They're not the ones that are fully colored, the translucent, because I take, okay, the red team, mm-hmm. here's the red, the red uh, chips go on their victory point axis, the blue ones or the green ones go on the, on the other side. I can still see un- through them to see underneath mm-hmm. that, oh, that is a city or that's a hill, that's a, a river or bridge, whatever. Um, but it's also very easy to see, hey, click, here it is. And, and I got different colors, so I can just say, okay, with well, this game, I need you know, three different things. So I'm going to use these three. Um, many times, a lot of your more, uh, I've seen a lot of other games bling themselves out with those little like uh, marble stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can certainly do that too. Um, I prefer the chips because they, again, I'm a, I'm a war gamer. I have counters <laughs> sitting on top. So I don't want, I don't want something that's going to be really ridiculous and, and where I can't put the chips there, or I don't want it sitting on top of the top of the counters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, because so I just put it right there. I've seen other people use for a while there. I used uh, spacers um, okay. from uh, tile spacers. Yep. Um, sometimes I just as, as you, especially when you work at like a long battle, who's done the attack? You just throw down a spacer on top of it. It's like that's and it's that that little X, the little X, X. Yep. So right, you know, okay, that one's not but it's got some feet on it, so it sort of stands over top of things a little if you need to. Uh, or you just lay it on top, and then at the end, so yeah. you go, okay, I just clean it up real quick and and I go. But it, it's again that visual aid. To help you 
as you work your way through. I've seen um, a lot of people use Eurogame cubes as similar yes. markers, particularly one large hex games. So not not necessarily just like the the X maps from Lock and Load, but like the Combat Commander maps that have very mm-hmm. large hexes with them. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people have success using the Eurogame cubes for different kinds of markers. And because you right. can get them in a lot of different colors, you can use black for one thing and red for another thing and white for another thing. And uh, and and so I've seen a lot of people, OCS gamers I've seen, use the little Eurogame cubes a bunch. Right. That, that those seem to be useful markers for some folks. Um, I think the yeah. point at which you need those kinds of markers, you're often playing a more complex game than generally appeals to me. <laughs> uh, and, and sometimes it's just good, like I said, sometimes it's a good way to mark the map or a good way to remind yourself mm-hmm. uh, some some games have these uh you know the the sticks because oh you, you know, play this out because you're only using part of the map yeah um sometimes rather than having that laying out across i just drop a line of cubes down and it's like okay that's and the cubes are a good reference because they standing up so yeah i don't want whereas i put a counter over the chips you know you don't really necessarily want to stand a counter over the cubes so the very easy visual cube to say yeah. nope and and it's and it looks good still and yeah, you know, we all want our games to look good. <laughs> um, what else goes on? Um, Legos. Legos work well too. Uh, Legos can can be. You can even build little little things out of Legos. Um, I come back for, around Legos in a few. <laughs> well, I, 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 now. I use Legos for my air combat games to mark altitude. Okay. Um, and there's some great, even uh, some old like flight leader games. You just use a couple of Legos. Um, you use clear Legos and a couple of uh, uh, different ones for every fives or tens or something like that. And and it looks good. And yeah, it takes a 2D game and makes it 3D. But all you've done is you've rated your kids Lego you know, collection. <laughs> to uh oh to, uh, sure to it's it just kids lego collection it's not yours at all it's there no there's there's no such thing as adult fan of lego no such thing i swear <laughs> to you um, one of the things that i've seen legos used for a bunch um, I don't do a ton of air combat games. What what you're saying makes perfect sense. Uh, I, most of mine are ground combat games. Something that I've seen used a bunch with the Legos is the flat round two by two disc with the the different flames sort of tucked into that central hole, so yep. that you can use them to mark burning vehicles. You can use them to mark artillery targets. You can use them to mark a variety of things on the map. Now Litco makes a whole bunch of different yes. accessories and tabletop markers <laughs> that uh, that all look really good and you can absolutely go spend some money on some really cool looking shit from litco uh but if all you need is some you know some stand-up flames here and there those can be had pretty cheaply through a variety of of lego kits um or if you've got a lego store nearby you can probably go to the block wall that they've got at the end there and go pick up what you need go pick up 20 or 30 of the the flat round discs and 20 or 30 of the uh little flame markers to put in them the little stand-up flames that go in the different porches and whatever else and uh and and stick those together and use those for burning vehicles or barrage markers or whatever you want so there's that that's definitely something that i've done with legos on maps in the past so what we're really talking about there is just taking other accessories to to add maybe a third dimension to your game and, and <laughs> add an extra where whereas so many games used to be okay you add another information counter now mm-hmm. we have options and and there's different ways you can add other information I mean my exactly what you talked about taking the flames 
uh, from Legos. I use that for my Panzer games. When, when a vehicle mm-hmm. brews up, I throw that down there. And it just it just makes the game that much more uh, visible. And, and in many ways, you know, it delivers a better experience or a different experience, a more, a more vivid experience. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I've seen people, uh, this is, this is going to naturally lead into a next topic, but I've seen people use Legos to make counter sleds. And, uh, yes. and so uh, it, you can certainly go spend money on real counter sleds if you want or you can hack them together out of some legos um i wouldn't if you're gonna spend money spend money on counter sleds don't spend money on legos to make counter sleds but if you already have the legos in the house and you want some counter sleds go make counter sleds out of the legos you can do counter sleds out of legos um you can also do you know that leads us into not just counter sleds, but uh, card holders. Mm-hmm. I've seen card Lego card holders, but uh, if you got somebody who knows a little bit about some woodwork, I mean, you can buy card holders uh, pretty pretty uh, um, inexpensive. Uh, but if you got uh, somebody who knows some uh, woodworking, you can get some really nice. Again, a nice little wooden, uh, you know, piece, almost like a piece of a, a, a molding that somebody's yeah. done a done a cut in at an angle, and you can hold all your cards right there. Now you're talking about holding the cards that would be in your hand, not like the stacks of cards from which people draw during a game. Correct. Right. Yeah. I mean, that leads into a whole other accessory. I mean, there's all these other oh, boxes yeah. and stuff you can get. There's a whole industry of those guys. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the card sleeves, or the card sleeves the card boxes um many different ways yep. to bling out your game and with the home production i mean there's these designs out there it's it's you fold it yourself but you can drop your own own graphics on it so you want to make your own custom boxes yep. you can't um yeah i Go, mean there's going just, back to some of the stuff on i was just saying going back to some of the stuff on the map itself with uh kind of counter sleds piece one of the things that i saw uh, Brian Train shared and and had discussed on some broadcasts also. Um, one of the things that Brian did when he was at the Urban Combat Course um, with his Kriegspiel game down in uh, Los Alamitos with the 40th Infantry Division, um, Cal- California National Guard has taken the lead on doing these urban planning courses and reached out to Brian to design some some urban planning war games for them. And the the tool that Brian used to help stand up counters to create some fog of war was he just went to the Dollar Tree and got a bunch of those little baby one inch wooden paper clip or wooden clothespins. Mm-hmm. And they'll pinch a counter just fine, and then it gives it enough of a flat base to stand the counter up. And uh, and and for the maps that Brian was working on, that gave him just enough fog of war that you could see there was a counter there, but the dude on the other side was the one seeing what was. So it's it's a one counter sled, if you will. Yeah. Um, but but that worked really well for just a quick and easy stand up. Just go to the Dollar Tree, you can get a whole bag of these little one inch clothespins for. Uh, for a buck right it's a dollar well it's a buck and a quarter tree these days you get 20 or 30 of them in the bag and you can use those as stand-ups on your maps yes so speaking of dollar tree oh boy you've brought me to the next part of my life i have rated the dollar tree for a lot of components over the years so so so, uh, you know has has ardwolf will do his counter clipping i always gotta wonder where's he doing his counter storage and there are so many choices out there I mean, you can, the bags, uh, yep. God bless, you know, companies like GMT that include, uh, the bags, which are, which are nice. And I have like a bajillion of them. Um, <laughs> I, I prefer a hundred of them for a buck 20 at Michael's in the bead bag aisle. And the important part about that, if you pay a buck two cents, 
you get the ones yeah. that have the little space that has you can write something on it. Yep. Which yep. is what which is exactly the ones I get. So I can sit there and go, <laughs> okay, good guys, bad guys, yeah. info markers. You know, it's it's a quick and easy way. It it helps you organize. There's different size bags. So I have like bigger bags, smaller bags. I'm not putting I can I can actually separate things out. But back yep. to Dollar Tree, I mean, uh there are Dollar Tree's my favorite place. I always go to raid. Uh they have a small uh plastic tray that's got like hardware. 12 compartments. Hmm? It's 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 the hardware case if you go looking yes, for it, it online is. it's called a hardware case um and i found that two of them stack really neatly into most boxes two of them mm-hmm. could like flat or two of them can stack up sometimes you can get three in there maybe three with a couple other things on top of someplace four depending upon what the box is but again for a buck and especially for smaller games i mean uh, what i'll do for some of my magazine games is uh i'll I, I, they comes in the plastic sleeve but i go get one of these uh like a expandable uh sliding you know, top case from like uh, the office yep. supply store i slide the game in there i slide the map in there and i slide this box because it's thin enough uh in there too and now you get a little bit of some depth on the on, on the shelf um but everything's there and it's everything's organized um, i have uh i fit all of brief border wars into one of those hardware cases um, there's four games, there's four, there's four rows of, of stuff. And I actually went back yes. with the marker and wrote above each one of them. So I know which games they belong to. Uh, I've got <laughs> <You and> me <laughs> both. I've got my distant plane counters. Uh, Cause there, there aren't a ton of counters for a distant plane or for uh, same thing with Liberty or death, the, the counters themselves. Cause you've got a lot of, of uh, blocks and discs with forces and bases in the coin games, but I've got the, the counters in those little trays. The World of War 85, uh, the original set for that one. Um, yeah, that, that one took up a bunch of counter <laughs> that one, that one took up, I think, I think I got it all into three, the original game. I think I got it all into three of those little hardware cases. Um, but yeah, when, whenever we go, I grab two or three of them. I probably got a stack of about eight or nine empty ones laying around the office yep. up here. And I will still buy more whenever I go. Cause I know I'm going to get around to using them at some point. Yeah. I was there one time and they had the box. They just opened up a box and it was still sitting there at the case the case was still yeah. sitting there. It's like, you know what? I'll just, you know, I'll just take the whole thing. <laughs> So. Here's, here's two twenties. Let me have my change. Uh, there, I was there are a variety of different fancy counter trays you can order from people. Yes. The GMT trays are are really nice. The ones from Aegis, the dude that took over Flying Buffalo's web store, um, had some really nice ones. We gave a bunch of them. He'd sent us a couple of them to use as part of our giveaways at Origins last year. They're really nice because the the clear plastic on the top extends all the way around the sides, down the side on the outside of the counter trays so it it really holds together very well Um, so those those are really nice the gmt the gmt trays are really nice the magazine trays that come with against the odds magazine are abject crap and i can't believe that in 15 years they've never changed the packaging design on those because they are horrible the 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 edges around the edge of the the tray itself the the raised sections on the edge of the trays don't go all the way to the sidewall so you always have counter slippage coming through the sides of all of these things yeah uh, they're, they're great for organizing big thick chunky counters if you have giant one inch counters on something you can organize those in 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 an ato tray fairly well if you have actual war game size counters at the half inch or five eighths or three quarters yeah just skip the ato trays altogether. it's totally not worth it those trays are crap 
So I recently became acquainted with a new company called Cube for Me. Okay. And they're actually over in Europe. They make war game sets. Huh. They have actually taken different war games and figured out which combination of their little boxes and trays are required to fit the whole thing i mean they even do i see you're like commands and colors ancients wow let's take all those blocks and sort them into trays in a reasonable you know uh, organized manner um and then they pride themselves on saying it'll all fit back in the box yeah that that's the challenge right there because exactly like, if you want to do commands and colors napoleonics with it with our boy cyrano he's rolling in a plano box <laughs> it looks like a car mechanic showing up to work on your engine because he yes he's got this rolling hardware case uh now part of that is that he's got like two of every base set plus some extra crap and he's got it all in one thing together so that if you want to play a bigger scenario he doesn't have to go through three boxes to find all the pieces and, and he's not the only guy like that out there but I, I, i'm looking right now at their website they have like for instance commands and colors ancients plus expansions one two three four and six all in one set wow and they will sell you all the trades for a mere 67 dollars um, plus shipping from europe uh plus uh yeah shipping from uh, poland yes yeah. <laughs> yes for shipping from europe uh, so yeah i've looked at this it, is the like, part where the canadian audience laughs at us for exactly. complaining about shipping costs right <laughs> i i feel your pain this is the part where grant and vance and rob bottos and brian train are all you know cursing the podcast at the moment because we're complaining about shipping costs and <laughs> these guys just had all their game prices doubled in the last year and a half because of customs and you know, exactly posted. <laughs> that's that's neat i've never heard of the company so we'll make sure that we we you know we've got the link down below in this episode so folks can go take a look at it um i mean god bless you. they've already gone through and they've, they've actually looked at the games and looked at what's the counters there and then looked and somebody did some planning and some organization oh, yeah. um and, no, and they'll, really they'll cool. sell it to you and they look good too i mean they're they're clear uh boxes cases trays um yeah they, they it really looks nice i mean again if that's if that's your thing um that's that's definitely part of it before um, they imploded as a part of some very bad behavior uh on the part of the CEO, Broken Token had a lot of great box organizers for yes. a lot of the popular Euro games. I uh, I have one in my Seven Wonders set, which holds Seven Wonders, Leaders, Cities, and the the Babel and Great Projects expansions. Uh, there's absolutely no way you could add Armada and get it into that same box. Doesn't matter how you try to sort it. The laws of physics kick in at some point. The Broken Token thing fits all of that into a Seven Wonders box. And what's nice about the broken token piece the the broken token accessory boxes is that when you take them out of the box they lay on the table as accessory storage during the game yes and so that's very handy that's that's a really nice bit of, of bonus to it all that said when i bought that thing and sat down to put it, my son was probably 11 or so at the time when I bought that, it took the two of us three and a half hours to put that thing together. Like we watched an entire football game while trying to put that thing together. Cause there's just so many parts to it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so meticulously engineered, but very, very hard. To, I mean, it's, there's just hard. Isn't the right word. It's tedious, right? None of it is yeah. difficult. There's just so many parts. It takes for flipping ever. Right. And then, and then you, you really do need a guy to how you stack it all back into the box you know? yes 
Yeah, yeah, A yeah, tray no. goes here, orientated north south. B tray goes here, orientated east west. But you you reminded me, um, Academy Games in their um, Conflict of Heroes or uh, uh, the Birth of America series okay. had a card tray or had a, had a tray at the bottom, and actually okay. you could break the tray apart and have like your six or eight pieces. And the idea was you would hand it out. You know, okay, you're playing the okay. British. Here's the British tray, and you oh, it, wow. it, 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 you kept your dice in there, and you kept all your little your little dudes in there or your cubes in there, uh, all organized. Uh, and it was again the idea was it was you would break it out, you just hand it out. Okay, here's you're the British, here's the British, you're the Americans, here's the Americans. Yeah, um, I have the 1754 game, but I don't think I've got the cool tray in there. Uh, you need so. to look again at the bottom. It may, it's probably there. Yeah, it comes I, I, in one I'm piece. Have to, when we're done recording, I'm going to grab that box and take a look because I, I have 1754 on the shelf back here, and I don't remember that level of coolness in the box. I'm, I'm going to have to go look again. I mean, so, it sounds brilliant. <laughs> I, it, and again, it's it's that that being able to take the game and, and it's, it's a little bit more bling, but it, it makes it that much easier to use, that much easier to set up, yeah, that much yeah. easier to clean up. Because well, basically I, you just handed the box and here it is. Yeah, and I think it's true of all of the things that we've talked about tonight and the things we, we have yet to get to on your list over there, but we we none of the stuff that we have talked about is essential for the play of the game. Absolutely none of these things, you know, that if you're missing them, you are unable to play, but, but all of them make the play somehow more enjoyable, whether it's more organized or just looks a little cooler or, or it's a little more fun or it protects the game a little bit better. It protects the dining room table, Uh, whatever it might be. They're all things that are enhancing gameplay, but that's kind of the point of all these accessories and doodads. None of them are necessary. If they were necessary, they'd be expansions or they would be in the original box. These are just all like cool shit to have on the tape though. And, and that's exactly the point is it's all stuff that just makes the game that much more enjoyable. Um, Sometimes, sometimes they have to make up, not make up. Sometimes they found a better way that maybe, um, maybe the publisher was a little bit beyond the reach, you know, a little bit beyond the budget. Oh, the one that comes to my mind is uh, for the uh, downtown series of games. Uh, the game crafter sells the aircraft data cards. In the game, okay. you get a table. You get a play that has a table that has all the aircraft, all the little information and stuff, which is okay. It's there. It's not buried in a book. It's on a on a table. But sometimes it's it's when you're in the middle of play, you're like, uh, hold on, where's that chart? I need to go look up. Yeah. But somebody and and with the, and got the blessing of of GMT, the publisher, uh, took all those and put them on cards separate cards. a little thicker thicker uh, stock cards with with good art art mm-hmm. that many times is in the same style um maybe by the same illustrator that did the uh that did the original game so now you sit there and you're like okay i've got my f4 phantoms okay here's the f4 phantom card you keep that in front of you you're not going up and looking it up um certainly i would have loved that to have been in the original game but it wasn't you know there was there was you know limits so i mean i even I don't want to pay that much. And <laughs> you pay a little bit extra later on, but it, it, this is one that really works well. And there's a lot of other pe- places that pieces that do that. Um, yeah. You yeah. Know, just, just add a little piece of uh, a redone game accessory of some sort or taking what before was an information counter and turning it into a cube or something like that. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. not necessary for play. Like you said, not necessary for play, but it certainly makes the play more enjoyable. The way you're talking about those aircraft data cards, what it it part of what it makes me think of is sort of the evolution of the way in which the games are built 
and marketed and sold. And when that, when GMT had downtown on P500 way back when it was, hey, here's a game on P500 and here's what it's going to cost for you to pre-order this thing. And they did that calculation based on here's what it's going to cost us to print X number of copies. So if we can pre-sell 500, that means we get 700 off the boat. So we got 200 more we can sell. And our 500 folks that backed it to get their cheaper copies uh, up front to allow us to print the rest of these things, you know, those, those other 200, that's our profit margin, whatever the math works out to, right? I mean, right. GMT smart enough to, to do that without me spitballing it here on the, the podcast. They're going to be way better at it than me anyway. As crowdfunding has evolved and now we've got Kickstarter involved in things and GameFound and you've got stretch goals built in, those kinds of aircraft cards are the exact sort of thing you'd probably see as a stretch goal that yes, if we get enough funding for this campaign, we will have some extra money that we can then go back and do those aircraft cards because they're already paid for at that point because you guys have backed enough of this at a certain level that we've now got the money to do that at no real additional cost to you just because of the strength in numbers right the uh you know the 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 mass production quantities there that we've got uh we can do that kind of thing and so that's the sort of thing that you would see as a stretch goal these days right and uh yeah you have to you have to think about you know stretch goals whereas before you had maybe cubes now it's like oh i can actually offer a little a little mini of some sort yeah um sometimes i mean just the other day uh, Harold um, Buchanan was uh, showing his uh, SD Hiscon and his blinged out uh, Liberty or Death yep. with the little toy, you know, little tin soldiers and everything out there. You know, again, not necessary for play. You absolutely don't need it, but dang, it looks good. Yeah. And, and when, sometimes uh, that's really what you want. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I got my copy of Zermatt from Catastrophe Games, the there are cubes for the map in there for the the Taliban, the Afghan, and the coalition forces. Um, the game ships with cubes from the factory. But this summer, when I was at at Origins and talking with Tim, I got one of the little uh, packs of the the little figures, little army men that stand up on the map. So I've now got and and so if you go hit the Dragoons Twitter feed, you'll see the pictures we had from Zermatt from this past weekend at our War Game Day, and we're using the figures. So, so it was funny, you know, some of the people were commenting about, oh, oh, I see you got the upgraded version of Zermatt. Yes. Yes. I got the miniature figures from Tim because I, I went to his booth and spent money on them and they were cool and mm-hmm. they do make the game look better. It, it is yep. much more evocative to see little army men walking around the, the fob in Zermatt than it is to have a bunch of green cubes on the map. Um, it definitely looks cooler. I am happy I've got the little army men. I'm not happy that one of them broke off at the foot. And so it's, uh, you know, we now got a medevac that guy. Super glue, super glue. <laughs> Paper glue got caught in an IED. See, we, we, we're, we're hex encounter war gamers, and all of a sudden we're starting to do minis. You know, yeah. what's going to happen next? Thing you know, we're going to be on like you know some some video you know platform doing doing tabletop uh, miniatures with, with color coded bases. Yeah. Allow me to clarify: these are unpainted minis and will remain oh. so. Oh no 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 that that. No, you, you that's oh, the no, next these step. These will remain unpainted. You have started down the dark side. No, I, I've come back from the dark side. I was cleaning some stuff up up here the other day, and I actually found a box of my old RPG minis that I had painted long, long ago. Um, 
like high school long ago. And uh, I, I was I was looking at it. First of all, I was kind of impressed that like I could paint that well back then. And there's no way in hell I could do that today. First of all, my eyesight's not that good, but I just don't have the patience to do that level of painting today the way I would have back then. And in third, I don't need to. I've got a giant box of Mage Knight pre-painted minis that I bought a ton of them when they were on sale at conventions back when the like the $10 booster boxes, they were just trying to clearance crap out. So you get them for a buck a box. So here's a $20 bill. Give me 18 boxes of these things and, you know, keep the change once you put the tax on there. Yep. And, and so, you know, 18 boxes of Mage Knight minis with three or four dudes in each one. You got a lot of minis to work with. I don't have to paint minis anymore. I'm good. Exactly. I'm good. Same thing when the D&D minis lines were clearing out the uh, the little collectible minis game. You yep. get tubes of those things for or, Hero or when the, all the folks at the conventions, they were opening them up so they could find the rare and uncommon ones that they could sell for like 10 bucks a mini and they'd take all of the common ones and just dump them in a giant bucket and they were, you know, five bucks, a dollar each or six for five bucks. So Here's, well, you're here's getting a, ripped off. There was only 25 cents at the one down the road. Well, that's that's what they're down to now. But you know, back in 2007, 2008, there were a little more. But but you could, you know, there there were some places that would do like the uh, the giant dice scoops. You know, here's yep. a here's 20 bucks and give me the plastic drink pitcher and let me just scoop out of there and I've got all the minions I need. So thank you again for setting me up for my next one. Since you mentioned eyesight. Us old grogders, what would we, what would a war game be without tweezers and a magnifying glass? It would be a Radio Shack electronics workbench is what it would be. <laughs> I mean, my tweezers have gone through a couple of generations. I used to have just a regular set of tweezers that, you know, mm-hmm. stolen, stolen from mom and stretched out so they can actually get to it. <laughs> I have my Harbor Freight ones that I, that can, can, can go. Um, with the angle on them. With the, oh, you got to have the angle. You got to have, have the, the angle, angle on the end. And, and, and now you got the little light, little LED light. Light, uh, to yeah. help yourself too because because we all work under great light um, <laughs> to play games um, and if there's I mean some companies out there multi-man I'm not going to say anything more multi-man um, I still have small counters with lots of details and sometimes it's hard to read so sometimes you do need this old grognard does need a magnified glass um, I haven't gotten to the point of one of those you know gl- uh, lights with the with the with the ring of light mag- mag- yeah. lamps. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet for, for gaming for, <laughs> for other hobbies you know, line of sight lasers. I I will steal from the miniatures world. Those little line of sight lasers work great for games where you're doing line of sight. Yeah, um, David Heath had some of those at his booth one year, and, and and Ozarski picked one up, and and we all sort of laughed at him about it. And he's like, "You guys are laughing now, but just wait." And he spent the entire rest of the convention walking around like everywhere he went. Hey, do we need to check line of sight? He projected <laughs> it. Didn't matter. Like there were some dudes playing like Catan, and he's like, "Hey, we need to check line of sight." He just sort of flashed this thing on a Catan map, and they're looking at him like, "What's the matter with you?" Um, yeah, well, line of sight. Yeah. Like, that, that's not a multiple choice answer, right? That's an essay question, but still, you know, <laughs> he uh, he he was checking line of sight everywhere he could go. Look, for those that don't know, it's essentially a laser pointer that instead of projecting a dot projects a, a long thin line that is yes. a straight line that that you can use to check line of sight and so especially for tactical games like a squad leader or a lock and low tactical where you've got dedicated reference points in the hexes right dot to dot from the from the centers of the hexes it's uh it's very easy to sort of you know put the laser light down there angle it exactly where you need and 
and see whether or not you pass through that stone building. Um, it's certainly a lot easier than getting out a string to try and do this and, you know, knocking over counter stacks and whatever else. Um, so, so you don't need to check on a site for an OCS game, but for a tactical game, it's very handy to have. The other day I was digging out uh, my old uh, you know, Quinto uh, Panzer 88 armor games, um, and, and they have a line of sight and range finder in there. And what they literally did was you took the uh, counter tree mm-hmm. and in the middle of the counter tree you would have to clip it and that had the ranges and you oh, wow. use that it became a built-in ruler that's cool uh, it was marked at the same size as the hexes so you didn't count hexes i mean that was the legacy of the game it was it sort of had some miniatures of uh, blood in it but you would lay this down which certainly you can do that but again you know it stacks the counters things you know, put something down it's going to start you know you can upset the apple cart quite easily but that those line of sight pieces just the line of sight laser just just flash that down boom i got my line there yeah and, okay good we're good to go it feels like high tech <laughs> yeah the it's uh a toy yeah the the line of sight laser is a toy but it's it, it it is definitely a nifty little toy there that's one of those ones that you, it seems like a total gimmick at first but once you start using it you wonder how you ever lived without it exactly i mean no. i mean you sit there and you, you're not you're no longer eyeballing it you put that line it, it, it avoids a lot of issues yeah you're like when like yeah. does that really cut the edge of that hex down i think so. no no look look here here's the line look at it you know you, yeah. you can't argue with that yep you Going back to the tweezers and magnifying glasses, I've seen a lot of people use tweezers, especially in games with high counter densities, because you've got a lot of adjacent stacks and you need a way to pick up a stack easily without disturbing the ones next to it. Um, And some of us have big fingers. So, yeah. So, first of all, uh, publishers, you didn't make your maps big enough with enough hex spacing there. I've seen a lot of people use the tweezers. I know some people that have bought the tweezers with the light in them. I'm not a hundred percent certain the the utility of those things i'm not i'm not gonna knock it i just haven't seen enough need for that in the wargaming that i've been around uh, but if it, folks want it you know okay fine do it yep. what i haven't actually seen a lot of people use is I, I haven't seen a lot of people using magnifying glasses during gameplay i'm not saying it doesn't happen i just hadn't seen them do it no. I, I I've used it in some of my larger games where you're like trying to stretch across a, a multi-map table. And it's like, okay, I'm trying to see what that is. I think I see, you know, pull it out. Okay. Yeah. And, and part of that's the old grognard in me. Yeah. Uh, my, my glass, maybe I need to update my glass prescription. Um, or I just need to go buy some Canvas Temple publishing games for the old grognards with the extra large counters and the, and the yeah. extra large markings. Yeah, some of the games from Flying Pig have those giant one-inch counters also. Knight of Man and 65 and a couple of the others, they've they've got those monster counters also. Those are not accessories. Those are out of the box. They are huge. Right. Uh, Yep. Same thing with Canvas Temple. Those are out of the box, enormous. Um, Lock and Load Publishing's X Maps, I think, probably count as an accessory. You don't need them to play the game, but it's the oversized version of the map that comes in the box. So instead of a, a one inch hex, you've got like a four and a half inch hex. So you don't have to stack everything. You sort of lay it all out in there. Right. And having played with some X Maps in the past, it does look a little cooler when instead of a little squad stack there, you've got your 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 two multi man counters plus your hero plus your support weapon all laid out next to each other and you can almost sort of put them in formation in the hex (laughs) right yeah and and that does look a little cooler in the map like technically they're stacked they're all in one hex together but it looks a little Mm -hmm. cooler when you lay them all out side by side like that exactly yes so so yeah i think the x-men count as an accessory it does god bless we're in that 
that time right now where even with supply chain and COVID and everything, we are in a production abundance. Oh, absolutely. We have, there are, there are so many ways to make uh, these uh, little do accessories and doodads and, and you can add them to your game, be it, you know, 3D printing, be it just some simple cubes, be it bingo chips, whatever. You it, went to it, the place we hadn't gone yet and I was going to mention almost not fully in passing, but there's no way we were going to dig into it in detail and that's the 3D printing, right? The, the yes. Sky's the limit with that and there's so much you could do, but I'm just, I, I'm astounded at the cool crap you can spit out with a 3D printer and on the flip side, it almost seems like it's cheating because you're not adapting and improvising, you know? It's, it's right. you're you're getting it you're getting it exactly custom made exactly how you want from a production piece of equipment and while that is a technical marvel of the 21st century and i can really appreciate the absolute luxury in which we're living compared to any other time in history it does feel like cheating right we're talking yeah. about you know putting you know propping up flames with lego bases to to for the visual effect on your map that 3d printing the burning hulk just seems like cheese so i mean that i think the miniatures gamers out there will say you know welcome to our world yeah um, and maybe <laughs> just as the hex encounter sort of guys we're we're, we're still catching up but i mean uh, there's a lot that can be done uh even outside of 3d printing um mm -hmm. i i really appreciate uh, uh dan uh bullock with his uh no mother no mother land without uh yeah. he published a an upgrade kit he, he pushed it out himself uh for for okay. uh, buyers of the game and stuff and they're just redone uh counters and accessories that just look dang good on the map okay. doesn't change gameplay it just makes it look better and and i think i was that's what i was trying to sort of summarize before all of these are just there to make gameplay easier or look better or in the case of like a dining room table more acceptable um <laughs> <laughs> for uh for folks but at the end of the day it's all just the enjoyment yeah and and, yeah. and I, I won't go buy an accessory just for the sake of buying an accessory unless i think it's going to help me enjoy the game more Something's going to help me, uh, you know, play it easier, set it up easier, tear it down easier. Uh, during the game, enhances the gameplay, be it visual, be it just organization. Yeah, uh, something yep. that's put it together. So the Saturdays and Doodads, sky's the limit, and we yep. haven't touched on, I'm sure, half. Everyone out there, you know, go drop by the forums and 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 add your favorite accessory doodad. Um, and go ahead and do a shout out. There's a lot of good companies out there. Some of them are, uh, you know, don't don't get enough credit for what they do but you know let us all know yeah Speed absolutely up. for certain do not talk about a really cool product and not provide us a link to go find it ourselves that's just being an asshole don't do that <laughs> okay so you're searching for all the links we've mentioned okay yeah, exactly <laughs> One of the, you, you mentioned organizing the gameplay on the table. For, for me, that was as much the attraction to those broken token organizers as it was being able to store things in the box like that. For me, the fact, not just that they were stored in the box, but that I could take them all out of the box, arrange them on the table, and now I've got everything accessible, but, but clean. <laughs> um, yes. That that is fantastic. Unfortunately, there weren't a ton of broken token uh, box organizer accessories for a lot of the classic fantasy flight ones, which was disappointing. I never saw one for Runebound. Um, I think there was one for Descent, but I never saw one for Warrior Knights, um, unless they came out with one later or they had one earlier and just didn't sell well. 
Um, some of those giant big box production fantasy flight tabletop games from 10 and 15 years ago, you needed those tabletop organizers because every fantasy flight game came with a gajillion and a half punch out accessories. My replacement for uh, Broken Token yep. is folded folded space. Folded space. Okay. Folded space inserts organizers for games. Um, it's foam foam oh, wow. sheets um it's so it's super lightweight they say no tools no not no tools or need to put assemble it i use some elmer's glue just okay. to dab the edges just to just to, i mean it's it's that you know mortise and tenon you know the, the, the yeah the, you know cuts so that they they hold together um but they design these much like the broken token or the cube for me does they design these pieces to go right back into the box wow uh, oh, i have taken awesome. um the scythe scythe okay. with even the expansions uh it's all it's all organized into into the trays and and, and again you pull it out you just start handing pieces out or you set set it next to the boards you've got your supplies and all that sort of stuff um this has been done full to space looks for a lot more for the board gaming world i'm really that's what i'm interested in cube for me because they're doing it for the war game world yeah um but uh you know there's a lot to be done up there and 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 this isn't it's not hard i guess you just need somebody who can do some design and and do some laser cutting or or you do it yourself count up count cut out some pieces and do it but uh somebody's got to do some prototypes of the board uh, of the games that you're after to figure out what it would take to put those in there but i think with not so much the 3d printing but sort of the the ability to do laser cut sheets of foam or the the balsa wood kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and and to be able to store those programs that somebody like a blue panther um i'm 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 committing steve to doing more work when steve's not here to defend himself right but (laughs) you know you you could figure out what's what does it take for the organizer and 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 all of the pieces for fighting formations right one of the fighting formation yep. games um or or one of the combat commander games and figure out the pieces and the cards and how those need to be sorted and like you said in in such a way that you just pull it out and immediately start playing the game with it and and figure out you know get out a bunch of cardboard make the prototypes figure out sort of what are the pieces that i need okay how do i lay all those out on you know two or three balsa wood sheets and here's where the laser needs to cut to make all those things happen and like mail all those specs off to somebody like a blue panther or a folded space or whoever hey guys i've done the legwork for you send me a nickel every time somebody buys one of these and you know you can go get a cup of coffee in five years whatever it might be and and then at that point you've got a, a an on a production on demand you're not really printing production on demand for those war game titles that that you're not normally going to sell a ton of these things yeah um, so so the investment is there but it's it you know the the investment in time is there without having to do a ton of tooling uh, i guess is where i was going with all of that so as companies become more standardized i mean somebody like a you know a standard size three inch deep box or something like that mm-hmm. which is going to lead to the next accessory that's that that's out there you sort of see some of the publishers saying i'm going to come out with our second edition it's going to be the bigger box i mean big box the big box where you all you buy is the big box yeah for the board games that's not already out there I'm, I'm waiting for that to come to the uh i mean i mean uh, advanced squad leader where's the big box for that i mean they got the plain <laughs> boxes where's the big box uh, there were 
were some people those. posting pictures from from Aslock of of some of the rolling cases these guys were bringing all their ASL counters just the counters mind you yes <laughs> these guys had like armoise on wheels that they would bring in and they probably got upwards of 10,000 counters in there sorted, you know, by by nationality, by unit type, by, you know, whether they're left-handed or right-handed. Like it's <laughs> just everything you can possibly imagine was sorted on these things. And they were ginormous cases that these guys were rolling around these things in. It was... I. I know ASL is a lifestyle and and not just a game. I I get it. But man, if you ever needed confirmation of that, just take a look at it. Just go look up some of the, uh, the photos from ASL OK in Cleveland this this past October. Uh, you can find them on Twitter. You can probably find them in a couple of the Facebook groups. Um, yeah, man. Those dudes are over the top, way over the top. It's well, crazy. That's that's if that's the accessory you need, that's the accessory you get. Yes. So yeah. for ASL, you have a bajillion counters. So you need a large storage organization, and and then you need to transport it. I mean, heck, look at all the game bags now. I mean, for me, the my first <laughs> my first real game bag was you know go down to to IKEA and get one of those big blue bags, and, and you just throw some games in that go um yeah it's just it's it's come a long ways what do you want what do you need it's out there for you um, the one my, my advice to anybody would be just make sure you're buying it to to enjoy it, not just to spend some money on it. Yeah. The, a couple of years ago, one of the companies at Origins was selling these board game backpacks for like 20 bucks or some some just ridiculously stupid low price. And yeah. and they were a giant black, it was a giant black backpack that fit a lot of the standard uh, Euro game square boxes um, flat in these things so you could stack them up. That way you weren't turning them on their side right. where things were shaking around inside or anything. And it these things were essentially the size of a dorm room mini fridge. Yeah. And everybody had them on their back, but nobody was used to having them on their back. And so there were so many people get, I mean, we saw like seven-year-olds getting knocked over by people turning around too fast. With these backpacks on. <laughs> Somebody, hey, Fred, what? And he'd pivot quick and some seven-year-old would go flying halfway across the aisle where he nailed them with a backpack. <laughs> We saw a couple of people like back into each other with these things where they're both looking at stuff in booths across the aisle from each other and they step back to look at something or to get out of somebody's way and they're bumping into each other and their heads are four feet apart, but they're they're banging into each other because these damn backpacks are so huge. It's insane. Yep. The the last one I wanted to bring up, we had linked to it in today's Tuesday Newsday. Folks that are members of our Discord have seen some of the uh the photos posted in there. The guys that do Pico Armor, the, the yes. three millimeter figures the three millimeter mm-hmm. mini at uh i think it was rock con i don't remember the convention that they were at i'm pretty sure it was rock con they did a giant panzer blitz game with pico armor minis yep. and so they had they had three millimeter minis in lieu of the counters for the panzer blitz games and and so they they miniized the panzer the classic panzer blitz um they had giant foam spaces on the map or giant hex spaces on the map that they they didn't really snazz out the the terrain all that much they had it color-coded for the hexes um but it, it wasn't really all that decorated basically what they did was they they blew up and oversized a panzer blitz game and then used three millimeter minis to put like the tank platoons together and such right and it looked really cool i mean it, it, at its core it's panzer blitz but it's it's a very cool looking version of panzer blitz so 
that was kind of neat. Yeah, uh, if you want that, you know, some three millimeter Pico armor and your uh, HeroScape hexes, yeah, you know, build your map. Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen a lot of people use um, uh, the HeroScape maps, the HeroScape hexes with BattleTech minis. Yes. Over the years, um, that's definitely happened. Um, I have seen folks use. I don't think it was like three millimeter stuff. It might have been about a six millimeter mini um, for some World at War eighty five stuff. Way back back when it was still before it was World at War eighty five, and it was just World at War. I've seen people do those. Um, my son and I in the past have used the Axis and Allies minis, the collectible yes. minis and maps. Uh, with lock and loads tank on tank rules, so we've we've been able to to take tank on tank and make it look a little cooler with the the minis on there. Uh, we still played the tank on tank rules. There's nothing wrong with the tank on tank rules. They're, they're great, quick and dirty war game. You can play three times in an afternoon, no problem. Once once you know the rules, we just we threw the A and A minis on them on a map instead and three deified it, which was kind of cool. So. All right, Rocky, I think we've covered a lot of ground on this. We, we did a lot. And like I said, I'm sure there's more out there that we've missed. You know, oh, chime absolutely. in, let us know. We didn't talk about dice bags so much. They're, 8,000 different types and quantities and kinds of dice bags out there. Um, Only 8,000? At least. The guys at Black Oak Workshop make some really fun ones. There's some really nifty ones that those guys do um, for dice bags. Some of the really cool ones, the guys at uh, Easy Roller Dice make these heavy felt dice bags. They're reversible, but it's a very thick felt and it's got, it's not a flat sleeve. It's it's sewn as a tube, so it's got its own rounded bottom that the rest of the dice bag comes up around what's cool about it is two things that are kind of nifty about those dice bags one you can roll them you can roll the sides down to a fairly low bit and because they're 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 semi-rigid on the side once they're that once the the felt is that thick plus it's a dedicated round base it doubles as a dice tray oh yeah so you you can roll the sides down and use the dice bag as your dice tray which is kind of cool the other thing is because it's very thick and very sturdy and it's got a round base and and soft felt on either side no matter which way you reverse it it's a very good holder for camera accessories my wife has what she uses for her lens ball. She's got this this uh, lens ball for some really cool camera effects that sort of inverts the the surrounding terrain and stuff. So you take a picture into the lens ball and get cool effects with the, the landscape. Uh, but she's also got one of her smaller lenses in another one of these things. They make very good lens bags. Uh, and I'm sure they started off as dice bags. And oh, my. Yeah. Accessorized by somebody else. So what, what happened was one of my dice bags got ganked for the lens ball which meant that the next gift giving opportunity for the wife, I think it was Christmas. She got a couple of dice bags (laughs) so I could have mine back. And she could have two that were all her own because I really liked mine. Mine was the black and red one with the dragon motif on it. I really thought it cool. And so I got her a purple one with a raven on it. And I don't know what the other one is, green and black or something. Um, But I I got her her own so I could have mine back, damn it. (laughs) It's important. It is important. All right, um, audience, we're, we're winding down on season nine here. One of the things we, we do need to tell folks, uh, if you hadn't already seen the announcements elsewhere, uh, so so Ardwolf has taken over the, the Charlies. Everybody knows about that part. Because of the delays in the way things are happening right now and, and just the time it took for him to sort out some of what was happening to the 2021 awards that we're voting on in 2022, the awards aren't going to get announced until 2023. What that means is you don't get old men screaming at clouds this 
this season complaining about the Charlies. We're going to have to wait until next season. Don't think we're going to go easy on it just because it's it's Ardwolf in charge. We're still going to have plenty to, to gripe about because we can't help ourselves. And uh, uh, but but the the CSR, you know, normally every fall we do the Compass Catalog and the CSRs are the two really big episodes that we do. The the episode on the Charlies is going to have to wait until after the new year in season 10. So sorry about that. We'll get around to it at some point. Uh, in the meantime, we are going to bring Gary on to talk about the CSRs, just not looking back at how bad they screwed stuff up. We're going we're gonna to be looking forward to some of his plans for the Charlies in the future. Um, we've also, we've still got our holiday kind of our holiday wargaming wishes episode that we do to to wrap up our fall season each year um, as we start to look forward to the ACDC and the other things coming up in the spring. So so we're winding down season nine, two, three episodes left at this point. Uh, we hope you've had a good time as we've covered a lot of ground on this season and, uh, and, and looking forward to what comes after the new year. Rocky, any parting shots on accessories here? Just buy it if you want it and if you think it's going to make you make your game more enjoyable because after all that's why we play to yep yep absolutely so and again if you're going to share your own ideas for accessories and something you found really cool and neat and there's somewhere to go buy it online post the damn link don't just say hey these are kind of cool and leave us scrambling to figure out where you found them um post a link for us so that we can find please it. yeah yeah um so audience thank you for joining us and we will catch you next time on another episode of mentioning dispatches 